1: and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm JP. I'm Gareth. And there's no Benno this week. It's shocking, isn't it? Like, so we're going to have to fucking wing it and make up for him during this week. Nothing suspect gone on, I hope. He's just moving house. He hasn't got any internet. And he's just got loads of chasing up with moving this weekend, so yeah, he's 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 a he's a busy man at the minute. Um, I even offered him some five gigabyte earlier on. EE acts in the arsehole; wouldn't let me sort of transfer data over. So I've tried. That's as much help as I can do remotely from Oxford.
2: I did try. I saw him legging it down County Road holding a microphone earlier today and I shouted after him, Benno, Benno, where, where are you going? And he says, apparently I've got to tune into Impact next Tuesday to find out what's happening with him, so there you go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And that's the bigger question, because we've done a later show this week, because to be honest with you, if there wasn't for, this show exists because of the show last night and all the ramifications of that. Because this week, to be honest, there's been really fuck all else on of any serious substance would that be about right
2: well if there is i haven't watched it so yeah, uh, yeah it just didn't look like there was anything worth watching to me either so uh, i think we weren't uh, we weren't missing too much were we by not doing monday night's show i think we, i think it was all about waiting for this wasn't it this week
1: Ex- exactly and so how has your week how was your weekend what did you get up to because there was no wrestling to watch
2: Main one was the uh, rugby league cup final. I don't know if you watched that, did you? In your, you're normally in your
1: weekend, St Helens.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was on. It was weirdly. It was uh, obviously just the, like COVID situation. It was on a Friday night in Hull with no fans, as opposed to being the big Saturday night occasion of uh, a packed out Old Trafford. But um, God, what a game! But for anyone who watched it, what a game! They'll they'll know what I'm talking about. It was uh, literally after the hooter. The most spectacular try after the hooter to uh, to win it for St. Helens. Definitely a uh, go back and uh, check out the highlights, JP. I think you'd enjoy that one.
1: Well, James Graham's back from like Can- Bulldogs now, isn't he? He's playing back at St. Helens again.
2: He is. That was his uh, that was his farewell game as well. So the lad was absolutely in bits as well because, uh, um, yeah, literally won it right after the hooter. So final game, winning the uh, winning the big one. Uh, so he's yeah, scored. went out and It was a young lad from Saint Helens. I can't remember his. I can't remember his bloody name. Um, But basically, it was there was zero seconds left on the clock. The Saints guy went for a drop goal to win it. Hit the post, bounced back. This lad followed it up, didn't stop running. Ball bounced nicely for him, and off it there he went over the line. And uh, God, what a uh, what a story! Absolutely, it was like it was like rugby league's Aguero moment or something like that. You know, it was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely class. But again, good old James Graham there is a good, got a Cumbrian dad as well. So uh, always look out for those half Cumbrians in the in the way that you look out for the Irish.
1: Yep, yep, you have got to it. Would Workington be your team of choice? Wouldn't it?
2: They would, they would indeed. Now, uh, actually, how are they I, getting on? Oh, dog shit! And they're um, <laughs> they're in like the the equivalent of like the League One of, of football, um, but the glory days of working have uh, long since uh, long since uh, passed us by. And I can't believe I didn't bring this up last week, actually, because while I was watching the grand final, I was thinking about this. With when you told your story of um, oh, fucking what's he called, Daley Thompson last week was it? Oh yeah, was it was Correct. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, God, how, how did this not come into my head at the time? But um, working had this player, uh, Brad Heppy, who was um, he was like a New Zealander, and he played uh, he played at the top level in the NRL. And um, like played for the Illawarra Steelers over there, and he was a bit of a cult hero. Like when working were in the top division at the time, when he he played for us, and like just me and my mate there as teenagers, we were we were in Carlisle and. We just sat there on a bench and we just saw Brad Heppy like walking down the street and we're like, Fucking hell, there's Brad Heppy and we're kind of just like looking at him, just, like too scared to go and say anything. And then he like he walked back the other way and of course we're like two teenagers, like looking our eyes following him, just excited to be seeing seeing Brad Heppy there. And then he comes back the third time and like we were like, Oh, maybe we'll we'll, we'll have a word with him kind of thing and he and he walked up over to us and he just came right in his in our faces and he went what are you two looking at? Your fucking cunts, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that was it. And off he walked, and we were like just left there, like shaking, like shitting dogs, because uh, this uh, hero Kiwi player for work in Town had just uh, just called us a pair of cunts uh, just for uh, just for being starstruck. So there you go. Early interaction with, um, with uh, life lessons, you know. Don't um, don't hate, don't make heroes out of people because yeah, uh, yeah don't, don't meet your heroes.
1: Never meet your fucking heroes. Never mean them if 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 I've learned it, not only does it go sour as we've learned over this year in, in, you know, but like generally through life it's kind of gone wrong. The interactions that are good there's not many of them I think when there isn't at some point I haven't looked like a tit at the end of it um yeah it's we don't really want to talk football or f p l it was a shit week. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah
2: let's let's not talk about that
1: <laughs> I, instead like I, I do want to raise because there would have been very bizarre things in our group chat that we were in with me talking with jamesy e about the glory that is waterford senior hurling and uh them getting to the all-island final in one of the great games in waterford history have i lost you yet in that opening line
2: you lost me a week ago in the group no, chat you know, i'm following along does, does does this mean that um that your team had the, the better brushes on the ice
1: is that? Uh, it's, that would be curling, you cheeky oh. fucker. Um, <laughs> this one is just like I I, I don't know how you describe it. It's, it's not lacrosse, but it's like effectively like hockey sticks, but you have to kind of either balance it on the on the on the hurley. Um, you've got the ball is called the slither, and then effectively you get it in the goal, it's three points. You Get it over the bar, it's one. And Waterford were seven points down against Kilkenny, who they've only beaten twice. Waterford, by the way, haven't won an all since 1959. My dad was 13. He died when he was 72. That was two years ago. So you're thinking, fuck me. This has been a long while coming. Yeah. 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 So And they beat Kilkenny. They came back from seven points down to win in the end, just playing this incredible second half. And... It was just like one of the great games, like kind of amazing stuff to watch. And with Arsenal being how they are at the minute, very easy to throw myself entirely into. I'm just sad that it'll be over in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, It's God's sport, is hurling. It's absolutely, it like just goes at a lightning speed. Yeah, I've wanted to kind of big up hurling for ages watch, I'll send you some highlights, (laughs) it's fucking awesome, and it's a bit nasty as well, it's kind of like my wrestling, it's kind of how I like that.
2: I was just going to ask you about that, like, because, you know, I like, like, rugby league's my number one sport, I love a bit of of American football, like, I like a bit of, there's got to be a bit of physicality in there, do you get that in Erling, is it like, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: oh yeah, 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 it's fierce challenges, and also, you've got a chance of being belted on the shins, because you're swinging it like that, Listeners can't see, obviously, me mimicking <laughs> that. But yeah, kind of glorious, really. Um, and it's, it's, it's so fucking nasty. Basically, like, to a degree, people behave like 70s uh, defenders from Italy in the fucking 1970s and 80s, where they just beat the shit out of you, and you had to take it.
2: <laughs> well, With- if this Benno's away, and you're like, right, in there,
1: get, get, get the
2: hurling hour on.
1: Oh, yeah. I want the fucking hurling hour on. But I was, weirdly, transitioning over to something that I feel that we have to talk about. And um, effectively, yeah, there is actually another person we've got to talk about who's also died. But we're going to talk about Maradona first, in true Dave Meltzer style. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Maradona died. I've got a Maradona shirt on. You had a pick from when you were at a Boca game, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. When me and when me and Sarah went traveling in like the early two thousands when we were in Buenos Aires, we went to watch went to watch uh, Boca at the Bombonera and that was uh that was fucking wild. It was absolutely like just from a sporting event atmosphere, it was the the, the best atmosphere that I've ever experienced. And their, their fans were just like the stadium. I think you see on that photo how like mm-hmm. steep the stadium is and rickety and things like that, and just like the, uh, the, the, the fans in there just like absolutely just, just madness. And someone pointed out to me like on the other side of the stadium, they're like, oh, there's Maradona, there's Maradona's box kind of thing. So it was like the fact that you were on the other side of the stadium, that's my, that's my Maradona claim to fame kind of thing. I was breathing the same air and watching the same game of football as him kind of thing. So I think that's as, a, that's as good as it gets. But yeah. for Zoya he's
1: breathing in something else as well, <laughs> well... at the same time. God, God bless him. <laughs> Um, I mean, that look, looked amazing. It always looked steep as hell, that stadium, like kind of terrifyingly steep. But I mean, like, he is. Uh, I mean, one of the things I pointed out to you just before recording is the, the amazing cartoon by David Squires in The Guardian this week uh, about Maradona, which so I just recommend everyone have a, have a look at it. in terms of a summary of his career in a series of just images. It's amazing. Like, we wax lyrical. Um, when me and Joe had gone to see it in the cinema, and I think as soon as we see that shining wizard slash V trigger um, <laughs> that he delivers to the Bill Bow defender, yeah, and and the kick afterwards as well, which is like, I mean, fucking hell, he could have he could have worked, couldn't he? He could have developed <laughs> as a wrestler back then, but like, he was a bit stiff. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah, he's stiffer than fucking Kevin Von Erich, him, wasn't he? <laughs> he did as much coke as all of the Von Eric boys as well. Together. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
2: I was going to say he's done well to outlast the Von Eric's really. hasn't he? <laughs> the, the, the vast majority of them, to be honest. <laughs> 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 they give him a fair. They give him a fair go. But like, yeah, God, even, even in that game as well as well as that, like flying knee. There's like the headbutt as well and stuff. Mm. And the, there's like a back elbow. Yeah, he's got has got the full repertoire there. He's got the you know he should have been a should have been training somewhere. He could have could have had a uh, could have had a late run.
1: Judas Effect, V-Triggers, yeah. fucking yeah. hell, he's, you know. <laughs> Bookshack,
2: we could have had Maradona against Cody Rhodes.
1: <laughs> exactly. He would have been, like, he. it almost feels like he would have been leading, um, oh, what am I trying to think of? It, it, it's, it's almost like he was hopefully influencing Tony Khan while watching that going, like, yeah, like, this is the thing that maybe, you know, maybe somehow I was watching some YouTube footage, just <laughs> autoplay went on to this fight. And he was watching that, like, when he was looking at Fulham. Or, I don't know. 50 great Alexander Mitrovic goals. <laughs> there should be fucking none of them. Yeah, I was going to say, you've had him in Not, your dream team for longer yeah. than you really should have. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he just uh, I, the greatest player, certainly of that generation. Just unbelievable. Um, like, And I think it's the fact he's the flawed character. Because, obviously, we've mentioned a lot of the flaws and how amazing he is. I think that's the thing that makes him great as much as anything else. I look at Pele, and not only, and I said this to you before recording, I'm convinced 1950s football's shit. And I completely discount any football from the 1950s. It might as well be fucking Corinthians. Uh, Sorry, what is it? What's that old fucking team who first won the FA Cup? Pure amateurs.
2: Yeah, it is. it's like Old Corinthians Old or something Corinthians, like that, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Or something. Might, as well be that, might as well be that lot in that village in the southwest that play that version of football where they'll beat the shit out of each other and all the rest of it. Like, as far as, it's just not even the same game. It's like, it gets good in the 70s. Like yeah. cinema, in many ways. Um, <laughs> so, I discount Pele, and I hate his kind of corporatism and, like, you know, chilling the dick pills felt about right. <laughs> Maradona, on the other hand, played by his own fucking rules. I saw footage of him at some, again on YouTube. One of the things I went into a Maradona kind of shrine for the evening, and he scores a goal in some all star game and does a line of blow on the pitch. (laughs) The guy comes
2: on, doesn't he, like the physio or something? Yeah.
1: (laughs) The physio. Um, I mean, incredible stuff. And I'd like, again, yeah, the Asif Kapadia film, Maradona. Yeah, he's just legendary. And the fact Gazza had said to Peter Shilton on Good Morning Britain that that goal made you. And like all Gazza and the presenters are laughing. Shilton's got a face like thunder. And I was like, fucking get in as well. Because like, I never even thought he was that good as a keeper. And he did no. a shit jump for that. Yeah, he punched it in.
2: I always, I, I always think that. Like, how how can anyone like Maradona's five foot five and not allowed to use his hands? That cunt's fucking six foot tall and can use his hands, and he can't even get off the fucking ground. Like, so it's, it wasn't Maradona's fault. It was that fucking useless twat's fault. But not that I cared. Particularly, you know, particularly, I'm, I'm, I'm no no England football fan. But um but yeah, you just think about him, and you just. Like when when you talk about like the greats, and obviously like people these days will talk about Messi and they'll talk about Ronaldo and things, and you obviously like say they're like the flawed characteristics, but you just think about the has any footballer had the impact on society that or his immediate society that Maradona had? You know, like Mm. we've just had three days of national mourning in Argentina for him dying, and you think like would that you know? Can you think of a footballer or sports person in any other nation in the world that that? would happen for I don't know you know somebody probably sitting at home shouting something you know, shouting at their phone right now but you know it was almost like a lit- literal god in them you know when I was saying before about when I was at over there in Buenos Aires it was all just like Maradona 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 kind of all the streets all the street sellers everything and that was like 20 years after they'd won the World Cup you know and the, the impact that he just still had on that society for essentially you know his in, 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 entire life it's, 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 it's pretty mental really and, I think it's bizarre, like, because cause obviously, you know, people, you know, say now, like, oh, yeah, but Messi got this many goals and Ronaldo's got this many goals and things, and people, like, compare those two as well. But aside, like, alongside that thing of, like, the character flaws and things, there's almost that, like, kind of, like, mystique and mythology about mm-hmm. it, wasn't it? Because, like, when we were kids, it was a face in a sticker book, or I saw James, he did a good Twitter post. It was, like, some, you know, like... Football folder kind of thing where weekly you'd like collect like certain things about different players that you put into your folder You know and and that was kind of your exposure to these people. It wasn't like you couldn't watch La Liga every week on TV. You couldn't even watch fucking English football every week on yeah. TV then. So it'd be like you'd get these like brief glimpses of, you know, it wasn't like you were watching Maradona every week. You'd just see him at a World Cup or see some, there'd be some highlights of some major final or something like that that you might get a little bit of or something like that on Transworld Sport or
1: something like that kind of a, thing. And, a great programme, Transworld Sport. Oh, yeah. And I'm shocked that it's taken this long into Spotlight <laughs> To ever be brought up, (laughs) that was the way you started off a Saturday. That football Italia, a bit of Kabaddi, like you were set for the weekend. And if you liked racing, which I didn't, then the morning line was on. But
2: yeah, yeah, back in the day on Transworld Sport, I probably watched a bit of hurling. I probably had an in-depth profile on some hurling character or something like that. Probably, you certainly would have watched the Paris.
1: I I was going to say you certainly would have watched the Paris Dakar Rally. That appears to be a non-stop event on trans world sport. <laughs> uh, and I like to go in depth on you. want, oh fuck me, I've got. There's no dog in the fight for me in this. Yeah, I'll watch because there's four channels and there's fuck all else on. And going live, I could watch going live, but you know, it was it was
2: that thing though as well of like you might watch six episodes and on the sick, you know, like. Mm it would take you six weeks to actually get a bit of football or something mm. like that. Cause it would be, the, it would be Kabatty and, and, and all that shit that'd be on there as well, kind of thing, covering it off. But That's like one of the things I was thinking, like, I was thinking, oh, like, how did I, how did I see Maradona? I was trying to think, how did I get the exposure to him that he just like, and I was remembering how, like my uncle used to buy me, it'd be like Christmas and birthdays. He'd, he'd always buy like a football video and like, it was a bit potluck, like, you know, one birthday, you might get, like, 500 great goals kind of thing. And you'd have, like, all this footage of, like, Maradona and Careca and Canegia and Hugo Sanchez and all this. You'd see all these amazing goals. And then you get to Christmas and it would be, like, Heart of Midlovian, the history of, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I and mean, so, so yeah, I'd have this, like, good knowledge of a fucking John Cahoon and Eamon Bannon or something like that, as I would of these, like, <laughs> European greats or something. But it was clearly whatever he was finding in the bargain bin of whatever, uh, you know, whatever... HMV or Virgin Megastore or something like that was it was was close to him but again it was one of those where you might just get like five goals on a VHS or something like that and that would be what you knew of Maradona but you'd see his class and you'd just you know you'd, you'd you'd just like think how think how awesome he was so uh god what a what a legend what a what a what a sad day that was last week.
1: Oh, absolutely! And just to kind of finish up, was the '86 World Cup your first World Cup as well? The first one you remember? Yeah, Which yeah. for me, I don't know. it It's difficult, and this is where the childhood memory comes in. All I remember of that World Cup, it was a fucking belter from beginning to end, and there were goals all over the place. I loved that Denmark side. I was very upset when they lost to Spain because, believe it or not, Spain was seen as a dull, attritional side at that point. So it was like, oh, and they're not going to win it. Whereas this Denmark side was wild, but that was where I was exposed to him, and it was seeing Maradona. I remember seeing uh, like a, a two-minute sort of clips of him in the '86 World Cup, just the '86 World Cup, and he was just a different level to okay. everyone there. He just kind of dominated in a way that the only player I can kind of like I, I think generationally afterwards because it's just before Messi and Ronaldo was Zidane. Who was? But he's also the player who turned up in the biggest of games. Like, when it really mattered, it was like, this is where you do it. Which has always been the thing that's bothered me about Messi and Ronaldo. Messi outside of the kind of comfort zone when it really matters. When it's like you need to take the game by the scuff of its neck. In those kind of, where, where it's outside of the kind of Barcelona environment. Where it's set up for him. It, he doesn't do it, like, in a World Cup final. And that was like, whereas with Maradona, he did. And he did it in the semis against Belgium and obviously in the quarters against England. He was just an, an incredible, incredible player.
2: There you go. If there's a lesson, Messes learned from to, today's spotlight, it's get on the gear. Yeah. Might see you through a World Cup.
1: Uh, effectively, <laughs> yeah. You might fail a drug test or two, but fuck it. The the highs, you're going to be like kind of oh. remembered for those. It would be a drastic change of fortune for him. Um but again, yes, so we lost Maradona. And in, and in a wrestling perspective, I'm going to try and move on. For um, we also, the world of wrestling, uh, lost Pat Patterson, who died, who is an incredibly influential figure within wrestling and really booking. And I don't, I mean, it's it's really difficult in some ways because there's, Kind of eras of Pat Patterson. If you kind of just like look at his career, I mean, obviously as a wrestler, it would be. I mean, have you seen much? Did you ever see much of his work?
2: No, I can't say. I've, I'd be lying if I said. You know, it's 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 one of them. Obviously, you'd you'd always like hear a lot of stuff about yeah. his his work with Ray Stevens and things like that. But I've I've never even God, I've never even gone to look and see if you can you know if there's much of that stuff out there on YouTube or or, or whatever to even yeah. watch. But
1: it, it's really what he did as the kind of real creative influence like as in the person who felt like the right hand man to vince that vince really listened to at that point when he was getting to its to its kind of global peak and he's i mean i think if anything else that's going to be the real legacy isn't it he it's like he is integral to the rise of that company which laid then the platform in the 90s where they expanded to where really they are today from a kind of Financial perspective as well, um and then obviously. But like, I was thinking it wasn't the stooge that I first remember him. I was wondering whether or not it would have been things around the steroid trials. Would those have been the first time that we that you would have been exposed to kind of pat Patterson.
2: Yeah, I, I, it was. It was probably around those trials, and then obviously there was other allegations around him. Like I remember, you know, obviously. Is that
1: the know. Mel Like when Mel Phillips came out and everything else. The,
2: there was a, there was all, all that side of things there was another announcer as well wasn't there who, there was a um, there was like a sexual harassment claim or something like that but it was um it was one of them that I'd, uh, I'd remember from the magazines at the time so you probably first impression of him wasn't the greatest guy mm-hmm. um, um from from that standpoint um obviously but um but I think it was it, it was sort of one of those people where I don't know, I, I, I find it weird with, with that he, he sort of, he seems to be sort of omnipresent before he was present on screen. He was someone who would get referenced a lot by, like, Gorilla in commentary and things or, he, you know, I think, obviously, he did the referee gig at WrestleMania oh, one, yeah. didn't he? He did, he did the main event, didn't he? And so, um, but you know, it was it, it was one of them that you'd you see get referenced quite a lot on things. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's the it's the book inside of things, and like it's one of the things that I've for for years I've always had this like feeling of you know you always see people talk about like Vince McMahon the genius, you, you know, has been has been this wrestling genius and things, and you know I've I've always thought like it's actually was it Parson It was the genius. Like that's that's the, that's the from a wrestling standpoint, that's always been the. That's kind of the view I've always held because you know you you hear these old stories about like Vince and Bruce and Pat booking the territory around the pool and booking a year in advance kind of thing at you know at Vince's house and obviously he was clearly had a huge role like throughout the eighties throughout um, you know um, obviously the whole Hogan run and then the the Savage stuff and things like that and I think one of the things that he like continuously hear him get cited at is is like a great finish man as well and you know you hear people like Jim Ross and Derek Bishop and things talk about how that was one of the advantages that WWF had over WCW was they had Pat Patterson who could put these finishes together that really meant that you know big angles and big main events they had that like you know it came to an end really well or the the seeds were pl- like put in place for the story to develop and build and go on from there bigger because of the way that you know it it, it 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 sort of manufacture you know finishes to matches and you know if you think about it that is where like the greatest creativity in wrestling probably comes and like the application of logic and things and it's it's a lot of what's missing or has been missing with wwf or wwe sorry for a, such a long time like like Benno will often say on here, like, it's been shit for 15 years, people don't... And and then, you know, I was, like, looking on his Wikipedia, and it's, like, literally he, like, stepped back in the role in, like, 2005, and essentially it's been 15 years of shit and a lack of logic and, you know, like, poor, <laughs> you know, like, poor creativity and things since, since he took, like, a large step back and became almost, you know, shoehorned in as a consultant here and there and things like that. But, you know, I think there's a... It is. It probably deserves more credit, I think, for the for the role he played in, you know, in in the rise of, you know, WWF and pulling together coherent, logical storylines that built and made money at the end of the day.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, he really is, isn't he? I mean, he is that kind of. <laughs> if you think of Vince as Steve Jobs, in some ways, I am trying to think of the, who the programmer was for Apple and the name the name escapes me. Is it Steve Wozniak? He's the That's kind of like... St- Steve Wozniak figure within yeah. there. I mean, like, I think uh, there was the point when I remember reading that it was like, this is the first Royal Rumble that Pat Patterson's not doing this time. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is shit. It's lost something. Because in terms of the layout, he knew it. He knew the timing of it as much as anything else. And we talk about, like, the Rumble is the obviously the, the kind of great creation. And we're going to, you know, potentially mention very briefly a Battle Royal later on. But, and most Battle Royals. A poor and he turned this into something that the most casual a fan I still think to this day if you're going to show them a match that could possibly get them into something just want to show a piece of entertainment you'd show something like the Royal Rumble I imagine the Flair Rumble would be like the kind of like if you're going to show someone like a kind of a match of kind of wrestling of like the pomp and circumstance but just the sheer like the layout and the structure of like the roller coaster ride of the kind of yeah. hour that you could have. And he was able to do that. And it's not to say that it was always perfect every time, but it always felt like something that was a very cohesive match. I think
2: there was, was there was layers to it wasn't it yeah. you know it it wasn't just go out there you, you know there was storylines built and you know grew and dipped kind of thing along the course of you know uh, uh, along the course of it with then obviously you know building to 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 your final point um you know at the, at the, at the end of the rumble but yeah it was it was there, were, there was a lot going on in that fella's head and when he was putting things together and making it like you say co- coherent and you know but you know but again bringing bringing old things back to the fore or bringing you know putting the seeds in place for something that would happen six months or nine months later down the line and things like that he was he was definitely um you know you know the way he booked those there's a there's a clear difference when you go back and, and watch those old rumbles compared to compared to these days
1: yeah yeah it, it really is i mean in, in terms of his on-screen roles haven't really mentioned i mean he's that part of the attitude here as the stooges mm-hmm. Which I mean, in terms of my memories of them, they were they were fun to a point. I think the highlight might be is it the No Way Out pay per view after Mania? Well, it's the one where is it Briscoe is the timekeeper, Patterson is the guest ring announcer, and McMahon is the referee, and it's um, Mick Foley. Uh, yeah, it's Dude Love. Is it Dude Love at that point? Yeah, oh. I can't remember <laughs> Mick Foley. Versus Steve Austin. And they were the perfect Stooges. Because they knew how to take a bump. But they were kind of doddery enough for it to kind of look convincing as well at the same time. And they were game for anything. Which is part of the problem with them as on-screen characters after a while. It just sort of became so ridiculous and silly. And then, you know, Patterson becoming fucking hardcore champion and the rest of it. The (laughs) evening gown match is something again. Yeah that, yeah, that kind of sticks in the mind, um, but yeah, I mean, as a any memories of him as the as the on screen figure? Yeah, I
2: mean, again, they were they were they were entertaining in that period. There was someone of always enjoyed, I I thought, when you were watching watching Raw at that time and like
1: you were 18, um, 19, for fuck's sake, it was, by, it was the late nineties. Yeah. That's what. I yeah,
2: think. yeah, it was just a it was a bit of, bit of fun. But what I always always sort of. They knew what they were doing. They were the two fucking old pros in the business, kind of thing. They know how to like get over. They know like how to elicit a response. They know how to just like, you know, eat shit in the right way and just like kind of you know and you know and enjoy it, take it on the chin. They understand their role and things like that. of What they were trying to achieve and you know, again, I I, I thought they were great and um, um for for what they needed to be for 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 that particular time period and wasn't there like. Wasn't it like the Stooges against like the Mean Street Posse was like the highest rated Raw segment ever or something at, what, at one point or something like that? It was like more more people had watched the Stooges against the Mean Street Posse than any other match in, you know, whatever, Raw history or something like that. You know, it was, abs- you know, it was absolutely ridiculous. But again, but again, I it was to just
1: watch that now. I really, <laughs> really am. I'm, I'm so curious about what it was that drew people in.
2: But, I mean, if you think about it with this, from what we're saying there about, like, the, the booking side of things, like, essentially, when he stopped working for the WWE back then, that, that's, like, 50 years of knowledge that they'd just, like, lost out of the business kind of thing, and he was clearly someone who M- McMahon, you know, respected, leaned on for his his opinion, you know, he, he valued opinion, and, and, and you just know that there would have been things when they were around that pool booking things where... Vince would have come out with something or Pritchard would have come out with something and Patterson would have gone, no, 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 that won't work because of X, Y, or Z kind of thing, you know, don't do not do it, maybe do this, you know, cl- clearly, you know, that, that would have happened because it's the way they worked, whereas if you think of the creative and producers now kind of thing, obviously, no one's going to be turning around and going to Vince, oh, no, no, don't do that, you know, that's ridiculous, try this instead, because one, they haven't got the experience because they're either... You know, writers who aren't from a wrestling background, or their um, producers in the WWE system who haven't been as successful as wrestlers as Patterson was throughout the the the, the, the territories. But two, they just shit the pants, or two, be be too scared to lose the jobs and things like that to to yeah. you know to 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 put you know put that forward as well. So again, it's you know it's it's probably another thing that's you know lacking and and missing from the uh, missing from the wwe that they i think they could they could use a pat Patterson right about now somebody who's got all that experience who's you know got a bit of respect and and not too uh, shit scared to stand up for themselves
1: yeah and actually thinks about things in that i can imagine you could see him kind of thinking about it in the much more logical way of look we're building to this in a year so these are the points we need to hit along the way and how we would get there and then having the four pay-per-view so kind of knowing how to work the survivor series into it as well and stuff like that and the yeah. one that you were reviewing on go Raps and claps you could completely see the hand of patterson behind certainly the kind of survivors match of thinking how do i keep everyone happy how yeah. do i like how <laughs> how do we get the warlord out of there in a way Just because he can't wrestle you know it's yeah. it's it's that kind of canny thinking that he has where he you know it's it's, it's kind of changing that that situation and that dynamic um i don't know just a, one final point on pat patterson were you there at the um uh the wrestle media con were you I, I, were you, there, was, you were you there for the um pat patterson talk
2: i i rem- my memories of that are quite vague i seem to remember like patterson and Meltzer. Were they together? Yeah, Meltzer. Watching and they, Rev Pro. And, and but I seem to remember them doing like a talk, maybe it was like early in the morning and there was like fucking hardly anybody there. And like it was just quite barren. The microphones weren't particularly loud or something like that. And I was just kind of stood there, sort of at the back looking and going, like, what the fuck is going through Pat Patterson's mind here now that I'm, like, in a warehouse in the middle of a fucking industrial estate in Manchester, there's about 20 people trying to listen to me who can't even fucking hear me anyway. And then, you know, like, what is life kind of thing? But I suppose he was getting his, uh, getting his paycheck at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, <laughs> sure that's all that counts. <laughs> counted to him, the old pro.
1: He didn't like. He was someone who clearly didn't enjoy being there. And he wasn't fucking pretending that that was the case as well. He's like, I've flown over here. Like I'm, like I, like the highlight of this trip might be the bit where I go to the Trafford Centre. Like that, that, that could be possibly the highlight of the entire thing. And then he spoke with with Dave Meltzer. and he was, I think, he was. I want to say it was Rev Pro that he was just sort of kicking off about. But it was kind of fascinating just watching him milling around because there were so few people there. Like the the. Idea of how many wrestlers and wrestling-related figures were there compared to fans was just like it felt like it was one to one. At one point, it's like this is odd. Like this entire dynamic is weird. Um, It's like there's Pat Patterson. He's off for a slash. Uh, Like it's (laughs) so there he is. Uh, Rest in peace, Pat. (laughs) That's the that's the way I want to think of him. There in in a in a fleece, looking quite grumpy. That it was, it was fucking cold. I think we were hung over.
2: Was Jarrett at that?
1: He was, Jarrett he? was at. He was, yeah. I am trying to
2: think. Yeah, I was in the queue behind Jarrett, queuing to get a cuppa. Like he didn't even give him. Didn't he? He didn't even get a free cuppa unless he was paying with tokens or something like that. But yeah,
1: <laughs> Global Force Gold, mate. That's what he would have given him. We'd have sold them that. Although we we won that weekend because we all had that photo. But we all had that photo bomb with Jeff to try and find find that photo now with Joe telling him he was the greatest nwa world champion of all time oh jeff when i do get round to doing it's going to be next week doing the uh, tna uh, tna impact round table uh, the first of them um and so i'm kind of transfixed by him i was telling you before we were recording I, like that ip videos had a great sale what did i buy best of jeff jarrett volume 1 and 2 <laughs> That's what I want to see. Jarrett versus Tony Falk. Dodgy as fuck copy. Memphis <laughs> wrestling. His angle working as a referee. That fucker works his way into every show we do. But anyway, I, <laughs> I digress. The main... We've waited half an hour to get to this point. We, we've done all right. Um, so the main bulk of the show that we, we want to talk about today and the reason really why the show exists is if nothing else, last night we had one of the more eventful episodes of u.s wrestling television in quite some time which had a world title change in a match that had been sort of heavily hyped at the time of recording i don't know if we have any of the tv ratings um but at the, you know it was a show that Was really up against an NXT that wasn't being sort of heavily built. There's the takeover that's that's happening at the weekend that's taken the priority. So, what do you think? What are your overall thoughts? Where do we start?
2: I mean, I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you think about it as a, you know, TV show as a whole or an event or an occasion, Mm. like I, I genuinely, 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 for the last two weeks. I've I've been thinking about this at like regular intervals during the day kind of thing, just thinking like, Oh, I can't wait for Omega against Moxley, can't wait for Omega and Moxley because it has been built so well and all the interactions between them at this point and them both just you know, the the way that they've kind of like accelerated Omega towards this since the, the Hangland split and the way Moxley's just come across as a as, as a star anyway. I have just been so I was just so excited and like yesterday like literally you know I'm a fucking 42 year old man and I'm like sat here kind of thing doing you know at work like I'm working from home working away in my kitchen just like yes you know like you know eight hours time it's on kind of thing like um, you know I think for for a wrestling company to get as a fan get you feeling that way in you know at my age in 2020 kind of thing is is pretty remarkable it felt like a massive massive show and the match itself felt like it was a massive massive match and you know it just just as a just as an event when it you know, the whole, just the change of graphics that they used and everything like that, that just built towards it, it just really made it feel like it was something that you couldn't miss. And, you know, obviously, like, sat up and watched it live. Like, again, I, ne- I never sit up and watched Dynamite live ever, um, but there was no way I wasn't I wasn't watching that live um, last night. It, 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 and then you just think, like, when was the last, like, TV wrestling show that had, or, or match even, on a um tv wrestling show that had me like that excited that i couldn't wait for i literally can't even think i've been trying to think all week of another match to reference that i've been that excited about for two weeks couldn't wait to watch and i literally can't think of one mike does anything spring to your mind it's like
1: um not for a television match no it's, it would have been stuff from, I'm trying to think of, like, kind of attitude era stuff, Monday Night Wars stuff, that there would have been anything on a kind of... Te- but in terms of, ama- I think it says a lot about... H- Hogan
2: Goldberg, probably. Yeah. That. It just, probably I- is Hogan Goldberg for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is incredible. I mean, because for a long time it's been so completely missable. And this was one where I got up this morning, I had to make sure I avoided all spoilers. I didn't want to have anything kind of revealed. And had to make sure that when I got, I got up, I ended up watching the show in reverse, which is kind of how we're going to end up talking about the show, really, is in reverse, starting from the beginning, working back through, through that second hour. But watching that kind of main event as well and letting the sort of dust settle on everything that happened, how did you feel about the main event match? And let's just get straight onto it. How do you feel about, I suppose, two things? Kenny Omega being champion. And glorious Impact Wrestling, working a co-promotional <laughs> angle with AEW.
2: I mean, it was it was genuinely shocking. I think that was like one of the first, you know, <laughs> first mm. points that related to it. And, and and again, you kind of like bring you back to that the feeling of. Like when was I last genuinely shocked by something? And you know, something came from left field and was just so different that you, you know it had your, you know, you're left there, like mouth open a little bit, kind of thing. And you know, I genuinely was like that at the end. It was a, it was a surprise. And you know, again, from the not not necessarily just from a positive point of view, but f- you've just got so much racing through your head at that time, kind of thing. Like you know, the show goes off the air and you just like oh my God, what's going to happen next? Like, oh God, I can't, you know, I can't wait to see Impact on Tuesday kind of thing to see see what comes out of this. Where's this going? Like, what? The, like, is this a, a full-on thing? Is it just going to be a, a short one-week thing? You know, you're evaluating all these situations and trying to think, like, what it means for AEW. What does it mean for Impact? And, you know, what's going, going on behind the scenes and things like that? And then, like, I always... I'm um, like this with like film or anything like that Any anything that can kind of get me to the point where I'm at, my mind's at least kind of like i'm thinking about it and i'm kind of like invested in it in my mind then that's like that's a good thing in in in, in, a, in a in a lot of ways now there's a lot of fucking negatives that are associated with aw getting into bed with impact in, in in this way as well that you know um questioning uh Mm. questioning heavily um (laughs) kind of thing as as well but i think what i'm probably trying not what i'm trying not to do is just sort of shit on it in my mind immediately kind of thing and go, okay, I've aw have been able to build up this element of trust with me over the course of the existence of the company that they have followed through a lot of storylines very successfully. And, you know, again, even this one, you know, taking it to the point that I was so excited to be watching that, that show that, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that this is something that has been carefully thought out, carefully planned. They've got the steps in place of what they want to try and achieve and um you know they've got an end goal of uh, uh, of of what this what this needs to be. So I'm giving them that giving them the benefit of the doubt from from that point of view and I'm you know excited and intrigued to see where it goes but the the big glaring sort of sore thumb sort of sticking out for it for me is just like I, if it, what do they get? I mean, we've talked about this before, but what do they get from the association with with impact? I, I can't see the. I can't. I can see what impact get out of it. You know that so that's that's elevated impact, big time. Their TV ratings next Tuesday are going to go through the roof. But I almost felt like coming away from it. I was like, does it sort of? take a bit of shine does it sort of remove a bit like is the credibility of AEW lessened in some way by having that association with (laughs) impact and what impact means in the world of wrestling today because it's not like this is you know it's not like this is impact drawing you know one and a half two million people watching their product this is impact having 150,000 people watching their products kind of thing you know they're essentially they're just a super indie aren't they really (laughs) in the in this in this day and age, so
1: how super is that? Indeed, well, yeah,
2: <laughs> you know. So it's you know, I, 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 I don't see where I don't see where AEW benefits from that association. I think that's the that's the big the big negative or the big red flag kind of hanging over 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 me at the moment.
1: Yeah, I I can kind of see a lot of those points. I mean, this is actually the kind of great thing about. Necessarily, this storyline as much as the finish of the match I think could have been done better, frankly. Um, it was something that, as a television, and remember, this is a television main event ultimately and not a pay per view match. And I just thought, in one perspective, the way that they kind of ended it with this was kind of what you would do if you have if you're doing episodic TV and you're building and it's tune in next week, you have this shocking finale, and like you've got your red wedding. And it's like, what happens next time? okay? And then you come over and it, it turns out it's, it's Don Callis who's uh, decided to, to stab Rob Stark's wife in the, stump, in the tummy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but, which I don't think happens. It doesn't happen in the books. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of thoughts about it. And you mentioned about the stuff. So there's things about I was thinking, well, what is in it for them? What is in it for AEW? <laughs> And I think you kind of think, well, actually, they could send some workers there. There's that, there's developmental, there's those kind of whispers about that they want to do more developmental product. Um, and this is a way of getting kind of exposure to that. So it's there. And then I was thinking, is there any connections that Impact have that kind of make it worthwhile? Because really, and I, I, I kind of, the thing that I ended up thinking about afterwards was, am I coming out of this angle feeling, I don't know, as if I'm. ...sexually frustrated by it. Um, (laughs) What I mean by that is this. I can't wait. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) Bear with me here, folks. It's like AEW. You know, they've had these lockdown blues. Haven't they? And they've been in lockdown for a really long time. And there's this... The possibility... ...if they really behave themselves... ...that there's this socially distanced relationship with someone in japan and they're kind of into them but at the same time they think they are fucking hard work and are having a bit of an identity crisis at the minute so is this more shit than it's worth ultimately because some of the people who are hanging around new japan i don't particularly like and i don't want any part of whereas impact on the other hand they'll happily travel from tennessee to nashville to Jacksonville and they'll do it for the one night they're a sleazy they're a sleazy yes. company ultimately they're TNA <laughs> and they'll do anything and it's not like an AEW maybe have they thought this through when they've decided to hook up but basically it's a lockdown and things are getting desperate and there's no chance of going to Japan at the minute and you might be waiting eight months and they've got feelings they, you know, there's human beings at AEW you know, they've got emotions they've got drives they've got to get to you've got a situation where like AEW decided to hook up with impact because they're easy and they're sleazy and there's really nothing, you know, effectively when they hook up, there's a vacuum cleaner, a glass top coffee table and a couple of video cameras set up. So, you know, you're in for a wild ride, but you're not going to feel good about it. It's not necessarily something that you really want too many people to know, which is good because access TV doesn't get, doesn't do much in terms of reach, but uh, ultimately, are they going to rue this? Is this something that you're going to think, oh, is it going to make them look sleazy by default because they've decided to engage in it? It's the, it's the,
2: it's the STD at the end of things they need to worry about. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, what is that, <laughs> and what is that STD that Impact are going to deliver? Because there's possibility of a few. And I love <laughs> Impact, but Impact is flawed. <laughs> it's flawed through to its very sort of Vince Russo infected marrow. In some ways,
2: Don, Don Callis could be the Mark Fowler of, uh, of it.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Mark Fowler appearance three hundred and fifty-two. God bless him. But yeah, the uh, oh, yeah,
2: I, 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 I'm just laughing it because I, I love the way that that's the analogy that you draw in your mind there with that because, like, I so think I, I was left, with, I, I was left with that same feeling of like. Oh, if only that had been new japan and not impact because I know we'd talked about it in the in the weeks before and you know we, you know obviously we were talking the other day about like the Kenta stuff and things like things like that but you know, you you take it down a sexual route. For for me, I was like, I, <laughs> I was thinking like, it's like when you're uh, when your mum goes to the shops and you ask her to bring you a bottle of Pepsi back, and she she brings you a bottle of like roller cola or Panda Pops or something like that, you know. In, 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 instead, so you know, you don't you don't quite get what you want. You get this sort of like poor imitation version of it, or wrongly. I say Panda Pops, Panda Energy, even. Yeah. Uh, there you go, but like I just kept sort of like thinking about. Obviously, Callis had that line, kind of thing of like, you know, this Tuesday on Impact TV. I mean, Kenny will tell you about it. I just kept thinking, like, oh imagine if that had been like, find out at the Dome what this is, you know, if it was if it was someone and how bigger and the magnitude of it would have would have felt there. Then you know, it really would have felt like when. You know Tony Khan's statements the other week of shaking up the wrestling world, kind of thing. Now that would have, like, if if this was a, a new Japan ending rather than an Impact ending, kind of thing, it would have felt like absolutely, you know, rocking the wrestling world. It would have felt absolutely monumental. But um, but um, you know, as as it as it stands, it does just feel like that kind of cheap cheap imitation, really, doesn't it, of, of, of something like this? Uh, do
1: you know what? When you mention it it's the way that AEW teased us with new japan throughout that and throughout the main event you you you're hearing references to Moxley's match with Suzuki you're seeing references of very overt references to Okada with the rainmaker to, uh, rainmaker pose after the um um the rip rip uh, v trigger yeah, they're doing these references throughout it. You know, Kenny and mate—they've been building it heavily. So I feel like—I mean, I've been teased effectively. Um, you know, I feel like I've been taken to the champagne room room and fleeced somewhat, <laughs> uh, by them just to give it much more of the kind of sexual overtones yet again. But it, it's ultimately, it's a, it's a really difficult one because that's where like for ourselves that's what we were hoping and that's the kind of game changing event that you makes you wonder does wrestling really need which is one of the things that have never happened is when has co-promotion worked in the west on a kind of large scale there's examples in japan but they've booked very differently you know new japan uwfi when has it worked in the west Example that comes to mind where it's worked best is CZW Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Two indies that got something out of a feud and took something from it and neither lost anything even though one of the CZW lose ultimately. You know, it that's where it's worked and it requires a lot of kind of egos to go to the sides. I think my hope... That, that's,
0: that's
2: on such a lower, lower level though as well yeah. kind of thing with, you know, what, what AEW was shooting for as well for, you know, to to be a you know, the, the brand that they're looking to build and things like that. I think, yeah, I, yeah I, that, that's probably the best example of something like that working. But uh, again, I think their associations are more, more on a level kind of thing there, whereas I just don't feel like this is on a, a level. Like, it, it's, you know.
1: It isn't, is it? Who in Impact would make a difference in AEW? Is well, I mean, anyone who tangibly make a difference? Who'd, who'd have the best matches?
2: I mean the, the one that I've seen referenced the most and it definitely was the first one that like sprung to my mind was just the women's division that's that's yeah. basically the thing if you if you can get suddenly you've got Jordan Grace and John Apparazzo in there with Thunder Rosa and Shida and Serena Deeb and things suddenly that's actually a really strong wrestling women's wrestling division that are capable of putting good matches on but you know you look at has Rich Swan still got the belt? I am not you know you know, if Rich Swan was in AEW and he it wasn't in impact, would he be anywhere near the top of the the card in AEW? Mm. No chance. You know, he'd be on dark more often than he'd be on dynamite, probably. You know? And I think that's where suddenly, you've, if you've you know you've got any element of crossover to that level, the supposed top guy in in impact can can hold a torch to the to the top. Top level talent in yeah. in AEW in terms of star power and credibility and things like that as well. So it doesn't even, you know, the idea of you know if they if they even went down that route and you had Omega coming into that territory and you know working matches with the top guys there, it just feels massively imbalanced. And yeah. and, and again, it's it's impacted again more out of the deal than, than AEW in, in in that scenario too. So that feels a bit confused and and, and off. I mean, obviously you've got the odd. You know, you've got little things. You think, oh yeah, like great. Let's have Shelley and Saban against the Bucks again, kind of yeah. thing, and stuff like that. But the North. Say, it's just a, a throwaway match, kind of thing. Mm. It's it, you know, it's not, it's it's not something for worth getting into bed with Impact for. You could just bloody sign Shelley and Sabin if you'd wanted, <laughs> really. At the end of the day, if you want to put that match on. So I don't. I, 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 you know, I, I don't get it from a match point of view. Like, there's these dream matches or anything like that that we can now have or anything like that. To be honest,
1: that's and that's part of the issue. That's really the issue for me is there isn't necessarily dream matches that come to mind. But when you dangle the carrot of New Japan in in front of you, and you're thinking of dream matches, and you're thinking of a New Japan that we've been frankly bored by yeah. for like the last couple of months i mean i still haven't watched any either of the best of the super juniors or, yeah. this, or the tag tournament which has never happened up to this point is it ending this weekend or is it the weekend after
2: <sighs> next weekend
1: i think next weekend like and, and that's which says a lot that, that i'm not paying attention to it at all it's like the next new japan thing i'm paying attention to is the um the us uh the j cup tournament that they're having on uh the live tournament that's one that I'm intrigued by. But there's genuine kind of dream matches, which makes you think about how is this angle going to be booked? Because it's not an angle that can be booked with two companies on parity with each other. Because it just doesn't have the credibility. So is it just about the kind of state of flux where people are going to turn up in NWA and they're going to turn up in Impact? And there's all these very bizarre possibilities. And you've got all these, all these companies that are all willing to trade talent at a time when they could really do with it and they all need the buzz in some way and AEW is acting as what as this kind of central company where this sort of stuff is happening and then if there is any good talent they're going to make their way in I mean it's it's very hard to know how has how has this been booked and have they spent the? this is the kind of storyline that really you need to be planning out over 18 months Mm -hmm. if you're going to do it and do it properly to a degree where it actually makes money you need to really plan this out. And one of the issues is is that one of the components is much stronger than the other.
2: Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, though, it's like, like I said, you know, when we first started talking about this, it is that planning side of things that... I do have confidence in kind of thing. I don't feel like this is something that you know they've just done on a whim, like click of the fingers. Oh, what can we do at the end of this? I feel like it's something that they've they've literally sat down months ago and gone, okay, we're going to get to this point. We're going to have this match in December, and then after that, you know, these are the these are the steps in the in the, in, in the storyline, and it may even be as long as eighteen months or something like that. But you know, I, they, they've with the way they've booked in the past, they've definitely given me the confidence, and it might even be you know. People within the industry do talk about Callis and him having a you know a good wrestling mind and a good creative mind and things and you know maybe some where he obviously there's been some shit and impact over the last twelve months but there has been some very good stuff as well where you know you think presume presumably you know he's getting his hands in there on the you know the. the the more high-profile storylines and things naturally is going to be a bit more hands-on with those. So again, maybe, you know, there's elements of it that, that he's maybe brought to the table, you know, to Khan, via Omega and things like that as well, That, you know, potentially they've been able to to build stuff, build stuff out there. So, you know, you, you feel like you know potentially there's a few different um different minds there in the room that are you know planning things out adding some different creative creative ideas and things like that you know i i I have got i have got confidence that ultimately it'll probably end up being if not outstanding being better than you maybe think that the worst case scenario could be just by sheerly having the words impact involved involved in it you know i think i think the the the, the, the credibility that AW builds uh, is, can can give you that uh, give you that confidence going forward. But then, uh, but then again, I was trying to think. Okay, well, what is the what is the long term goal with this? And if it is, I don't know. Again, we, you, it's pure speculation, isn't it? Because you know you haven't even seen what Omega's got to say when he turns up on on, on impact. And yet. he's not
1: going to be live there. It's going to be a pre-tape. It's, there's going to yeah. be some sort of pre-tape segment, which does take yeah. something away. I think
2: maybe not because one of the things that i was concerned about was you know omega stood there in a mm. you know in, in, in the impact studio with nobody there at all and things and it looking at you know just stood there in the middle of a ring with nobody around it you know it would have looked a bit well, would have bit weird so maybe they can make it more effective it's a some kind of pre-tape thing but just try to think about like longer term than if it's okay well if, if omega's in bed with callous and it's going to almost you know if there's an element of like a defection storyline or I'm superior to AEW storyline or something like that then it sort of opens the door for Paige to become Mr. AEW by eventually taking taking it off him you know kind of thing bringing the belt back to the company maybe it's a hook for Cody Rhodes to find me i've got to take that you know okay i'll go back on my words because i need to bring the belt back to AEW or something like that there's so many different creative vehicles that they can go down with the main event talent and things there that you know that you know once once we get there and we see see what they what what they do with it you know hope you know hopefully the outcome's going to be be worth it and and again is there is, you know we see. It, 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 obviously, we're referencing New Japan and stuff. You know, mm. the, it, what's you know what's to say that further down the line that may not be that might not end up being incorporated into mm. some way as some way as 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 well. So you know, you, it's it's like weird. You try you try to comment on some, on something with very little information at this yeah. at this stage at, at at this stage, but
1: and it becomes fantasy that, booking, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly,
2: exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, you see you, you you're throwing all these ideas out there and. You know, you've just got to – to me, that's a big positive of it, is that, like I said at the start, you're able to think about it in this way. You're coming up with all these different scenarios. What's it going to mean? How's this going to work? What does it mean for this character? What does it mean for this relationship and things like that? Then then that's better than than kind of not having having something that's that's booked and thrown sort of a a big – out of you know, surprise, out of nowhere, surprising storyline into in, in, into the mix, right? It's just been like, oh, he's so and so, and they're going to have a match, kind of thing. It you know. It- that you just get booked on the night on on Raw or something like that, yeah. you know. Again, again, I, li- I, I like the idea that you put in this position where you can be thinking about all these different scenarios and and thinking thinking how it, how it's going to work. But I'll I'll revert, reserve judgment until, until we we see a bit more.
1: Well, the fact that we're talking about it and really completely intrigued by it, good and bad, like the things that could go wrong, it feels like it's a hot storyline, and God knows we've really needed some hot storylines for a while and people have their doubts, which are completely justifiable, but they're intrigued. There isn't apathy about, like about this as much like where it goes, but it also is Tony Khan, I think setting a template for how he wants to interact with other companies within the wrestling world by saying, actually rising, like the idea would be, you know, rising tide lifts all ships Yeah, and just work at it that way and thinking we've got all this talent just on YouTube and on Dark. We've got somewhere that perhaps we can send them to that seasons them up, gets them ready for television in a less pressurised environment. You know, Impact then has something creatively that they can do with lots and lots of young talent there that that you'd hope that that would be the case. And it wouldn't mean that they need to rely on bringing in Rob Van Dam. You know, or like putting someone on top that isn't, say, Eddie Edwards. Well, I think, you know, don't he's done fine, but he's not he's not the figurehead of your company is it yeah i mean joe during kenny omega fills me with intrigue (laughs) if that could possibly happen um like just the the sheer spectacle of thinking you know you wouldn't see that but it's it's the fact that it's a storyline that we we often want to see and fans want to see and very rarely happens the idea of two promotions properly working together and hopefully, and what you would hope is that there's enough of a good relationship between Tony Khan and Don Don Callis, where they realise that they can make this work if they can leave. That it doesn't seem that Tony Khan has the kind of biggest ego about working with companies. It's not the kind of insistence that you know our wrestlers are going to be the only ones to go over. Do so you think of like Thunder Rosa has not been, you know, is being now positioned into the storyline with with Britt Baker, yeah, you know. It does, suggest, you know, there seems to be good things when, um, when speaking about sort of Billy Corgan and the way that they cooperate, that you've got proper people with proper business minds at the, at the end of the day. Because I think Callis as an MBA, um, mm-hmm. you know, there is a case where these are like proper people and they realize that in a pandemic, you need to do stuff to boost your storylines and your TV viewing figures, because that's what you're going to have to do in order to make up for the live gate to get the advertising revenue up. So this is something that even if it just creates like a buzz and gets an extra hundred, like 50,000 people for um, AEW, it makes a difference. 50,000 to a hundred thousand for impact makes a huge difference, Mm -hmm. an enormous difference to them. And just the way that they're thought of, that they're thought of in a way that isn't this company that exists, but what are they really? It just sort of, it's a way of them kind of really changing themselves. They've got a chance to do that with a storyline like this.
2: Yeah, and like you say as well. Like if if they, as long as AW don't come out of it with a negative stink on them through mm. this association, and they at least, worst case scenario is they they maintain parity and they're viewed in the same way as they were viewed a week ago by people. Mm. But like you say, NWA are viewed as stronger because of the. Relationships that they've been building there impact are viewed as stronger because the relationships that have been built there. Then that can only be good for the for the wrestling scene as a as a, as a whole. And you know, as you know, this quite like this idea of all these people working together, going against uh, going against the McMahon's, and uh, you know, if they can build this kind Apple of
1: alliance,
2: yeah, if they can build this nice base for um, for other for wrestlers to be able to work in different places and you know, earn a living via other. Places than going to work in that bloody performance center doing arm drags and things like that, so that they the best talent doesn't just get eaten up and just um, stockpiled away somewhere. People are given different options because you can make more money in Impact in a year's time or two years' time. You can make more money in the NWA in a a year's time or something like that. Then, then I'm all for that. All for that. That'd be that'd be awesome.
1: Well, you've got an interesting scenario just to sort of finish up on the co-promotion stuff. You've got obviously Impact and AEW been talking about. But you've also got the fact that Rocky Romero appeared on MLW this week, or two, sorry, last week. You've got the fact that Chris Bay is in the New Japan J-Cup. Mm-hmm. You've got the fact that Ray Horris from Ring of Honor in, is in there as well. Um, you've got Kenny Omega working for, you know, doing A, Triple Mania. There is this element of the cross-promotion that a lot of companies are being more overt with. And I think there is always going to be that element of the fan base that wants to see that. That wants this kind of more mature view of other companies rather than just viewing them as like, oh, they're evil because they're not us, which is how Vince has always portrayed it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're bad. The end. I Therefore, I must destroy them. Like he's got all, all the character motivation of basically Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Like it's basically <laughs> like you kidnap my daughter. You're bad. The end. Vince just views, you're another company in wrestling, therefore you're bad and I must try and destroy you. And I think that this is the way that you kind of respond and it's also a way of potentially kind of it filtering through to the indie scene as well. Because it is like, there's that the idea of a, of a whole lot of exposure for wrestlers, but obviously it's TV that is is how this is going to be really judged more than anything else in TV ratings. And if you've got this kind of element of co-promotion and the kind of, what feels like Something that we haven't probably felt, and this is where the real nostalgia for the Monday Night Wars comes in. Genuine unpredictability. Mm-hmm. People turning up on RAW on Nitro and you went, What the fuck is X Pac doing back in yeah. in you know, the RAW after WrestleMania? Stuff like that. That's the stuff that really took you by surprise. And I will say this about this overall match. I was watching this like a hawk. And to talk about the match itself because I was waiting for something to happen. They telegraphed that it wasn't going to be a clean finish by the gentleman's agreement, by the fact mm-hmm. the Moxley attack and stuff like that. So you, you were expe- we, were expecting, we were praying for Kenta. We didn't get Kenta. <laughs> but in terms of the match itself, I mean, I thought it's not the blow-away match that perhaps... I, I wondered whether or not that's what they needed. That they needed this kind of classic between two big stars. But in fact, what they have gone with is this is leading to what is clearly a big angle involving our world heavyweight champion. And it's just like, what the hell's going off? We'll see you next Wednesday. No, Tuesday. You know, and they've done that. But as a match itself, I thought it was a match of two halves. I thought the first half was fine, if a little slow. It wasn't necessarily plodding, but I knew it was going to be that way. It was very nicely timed up for half an hour. You know, they finished with like two and a half minutes to go. God bless them. The timing was spot on. But then the second half, I thought it really did start to kick into gear, and I thought there were some like great exchanges we spoke about in in terms of like the 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 V trigger spot, some of the suplexes from Moxley, in there as in there as well, um, and some of the exchanges and the kicking out of the paradigm shifts. I thought there was that good amount of drama. I will say though, I hated the microphone spot. Yeah, fucking hated it. Um. In some ways, I just wish it was a distraction and then it was just relentless V-triggers rather than that. And I know they wanted to do something as kind of overtly heelish or even a low blow. I could have gone with. Nah, it's no, no low blows. <laughs> no? Okay,
2: fair enough. I've seen, I've seen enough in New Japan this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but yeah, what did, you, what did you think of it as a match overall? Um, rating-wise, I went 3.75. And, and what are the ratings on the app?
2: Yeah, I went exactly the same as you. Three point seven five. You know, again, you know, I've said previously, I've been building this one up in my mind. So, as, as it was like starting, I was thinking like, oh, you're you're on a hiding at nothing here. Unless this is like an absolute classic, you know, it's 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 going to struggle because I've, I've built it up so much, and it was good, and it was you know, it was it was a very enjoyable match. I think there was enough there that made you think. Further down the line, you know, we've talked about this potentially being a series, or you, you know, then obviously mocks coming back and getting a getting a rematch further down the line and things. You know, I think there's there's definitely more juice there for them to 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 have a better better match. But you know, I think three point seven five is about right. That's that's what I went with on the app. It's it's averaging out currently. It's. Um, Three point eight five, with like nearly two hundred ratings there. So the majority of people slightly above what me and you think there. You know, I did see some, you know, I did see a few fours, four and a halves, and things like that coming in there, like immediately afterwards, which which you know, obviously like pulls that up a bit. But you know, I think again for a for a TV match, that's a very good rating for a, for a TV match. It's not the classic mm-hmm. that we'd probably hoped for, and that we again we've talked in the past that we feel like. AW need, and, you know. I, again, I, I thought, especially when you're looking at the the pace of the show and the way that they very, very quickly just got through all the other matches on the card and then you were left, you know, you were looking at things here, like, God, there's a, there's, there's essentially an hour left here for, you, you know, for this or, you know, the best part of an hour here for, for this. I thought, oh, God, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to go out and have a classic here and, you know, you're sort of thinking about it from from that point of view. But then there's a few interviews and what have you, you know, slower starting and things where the, the clock ate away that, that made, you, made you think again. But, um, you know... I liked um, Omega working Moxley's knee. I liked yeah. the, the reverse of, like... Moxley um, working Omega's neck um, you know obviously we can we can that, that thinking about um, you know potential finishes further down the line things I think that sort of felt like all that went out of the window quite quickly though once they got into the the brawling side of things it almost felt like it got a bit forgotten about once they went to the outside and then then it became very much about like just getting the pace up and the tempo up so probably agree with you there that it was a bit of a bit of a match of two halves and it, it did feel a little bit probably disjointed for me. Um, because of that but you know the back you know the back end where there was a you know a lot of reversals going on there was a lot of um one person on top and then you know the next person would hit something and you know come back with like a lot of high impact moves um you know the the pair of Snapdragons that Kenny. It was great. You know I loved that where like Mox went for the topé to the outside and Kenny land, landed a V trigger on him like while he was outside as Mox died, dove through the ropes and things. That 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 was that was that was, re- that was really good. But you know it def- definitely wasn't the the the, the classic that we that we'd hoped for. But ultimately, like you say, it was it became about the angle, not about the match. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's pro- probably. Again, as part of this long-term storytelling, it's just a bit more kind of like gas for the fire for when they do have the bigger, more epic, you know, one-on-one match in 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 some ways. You've got to pay for exactly that. You're clearly clearly going to have down the line, and the one that you've got to put your hand in your pocket for and and, and pay for because you know you. You're dying to see uh you you know, you're dying to see see the match again and dying to see Mox get his belt back, you know, as you know, that'll be that'll be the push, obviously, kind of thing that they're that they're aiming to 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 get to there for people to um to pay for. But oh you know, all in all, I didn't come away from it at the end feeling like the match itself had shit the bed or anything like mm-hmm. that. I wasn't I wasn't disappointed in the match. I wasn't disappointed with the outcome of Kenny getting the belt even before they did the whole run off and you know lead into the the, the impact storyline and things like that and I just thought as a, it, it, it was a, it sort of like capped off a off, off a pretty good show really.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd I go really along with a lot of what you said. Thinking of what was the purpose of the match? Did it achieve that purpose? So they they put the title, they created a storyline, which it's going to generate some interests and it's going to generate some buzz regardless because it doesn't happen very often, these types of storylines. And you're going to get people tuning in, plus the rematch should be bigger than this match. And that's the other point of it, isn't it? You're building to full gear. It makes sense that you would pay for that with some kind of stipulation of a cage. You know, that's where you can kind of work in the stipulation as meaning something to kind of stop whatever possible interference could happen and i think that's
2: the the six sides of steel
1: yes that's where it (laughs) needs to happen get that back in that flimsy that flimsy cage that looked like i'm just amazed that no one died from having from using it at any stage um yeah so we've we've spoken about the main event and it's amazing that we've we've gone into this sting turned up um (laughs) quite incredible isn't it sting turned up tony Schiavone was happy Like he was absolutely losing his shit Uh, you've kind of summed up a lot of the other show where it was here are these matches, there's kind of minimal interviews, we're getting through to this but this was the other kind of big notable event 61 year old Steve Borden coming out of retirement um signing a multi-year deal with AEW which multi-years makes you kind of grimace somewhat about (laughs) where this is um I won't lie, I loved it. I didn't see it coming. I kind of, like, I thought what they did with the winter entrance was really cool. I thought it made it look good. The music was a lot better as well for Sting. And the fact that he came out and it was like, there's bleach blonde Cody Rhodes who who loved him. There's Arne Anderson who's often been a thorn in his side. And then there's Dustin Rhodes who he would have been working with in the kind of, early 90s and and obviously would have seen kind of you know even possibly around florida and stuff like that and then Darby Allen the lad with the face paint who also sits up in the rafters i thought that stuff was great and i didn't think about oh no is there's going to be some terrible match though that involves him and is he going to sell for anyone is he going to be able to that was the problem of him in impact and tna is who really got over against Sting. No one. No. That was it. He was there as the name that they loved, but he was always the name they went to. There was never people who definitively beat him in feuds, possibly other than maybe Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> how did you feel about this? About like, you know, the match itself, it was fine. It was a entertaining tag match, but really, yeah, the Sting stuff after. How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, I mean... You know, God, we've talked about it enough on here. If with our WCW leanings and back to the day, I think any time I see Sting, I'm happy to see Sting. You know, it's and, and especially again like that where it's something. That it was a, you know, it was a surprise. You know, obviously read things in weeks before of, of his merch going off the WWE website and things. So there was rumors and what have you. But you know, often these things come to nothing, and you don't know where it's going to be from a timing standpoint. But then, as soon as the, when the lights came back on, and that like. The, the video was on there. I was just amazing. like, oh, it's Sting. You know, I was like generally excited. And then when he emerged and like you say, Shivani, like just hearing Shivani, it's Sting. <laughs> like it was absolutely ace. It was just, you know, that, that that's, that's what Tony Shivani is there for as well, isn't it? It's like little moments like that, which, uh, which sound great in the moment, but also when you're building that nostalgic element and, you know, our minds are racing back 20 years at that time kind of thing as well and you're just thinking thinking of sting as the you know the 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 one good guy in wcw going against uh, the nwo and things and shivani there as the face announcer you know been totally pro sting and things that's it was just a lovely like little lovely little flashback for for that i mean (laughs) like you say my thoughts immediately afterwards i think when it went to like the commercials was like oh god is it is he going to work do people expect that he's going to like like have a match now and if so like who's he going to work with and you know what's he going to do and like then i started to like you know start to think about those sort of things like the moment was Class, it was absolutely fantastic. Like you say, just seeing Sting walking through that snow with that music playing, and that it just looked epic. It was just and
1: Tied uh, it so well with the Game of Thrones thing, ah, oh, really.
2: ab- absolutely, just it, it, it was perfect. And like again, I, I feel like I just constantly come back to bashing WWE on this on this podcast.
1: You're a good company, again, but on. again,
2: it, again, it was one of those where it was a genuine moment, that kind of thing. It felt like the sort of thing that you know, just as a little clip in AEW legacy, four years down the line, six years down the line, it's something that you're going to see and it's going to be memorable. You you, you're going to recall that moment because of how cool it was and how cool it looked and things. It's not just some throwaway, um, appearance that's, you know, presented as being epic or a WrestleMania moment or some massive moment or something like that. When in reality, it's not that big, you know, it genuinely did, did feel big. Um, It's just where they go from here. And again, you know, I've referenced previously, I've got a lot of faith in AEW for their planning and, you know, what they're going to do with things. But I kind of just don't see the role for him. Like, if he's on a multi-year deal, he can't work matches. I don't want to see him work matches. He's 61, like Chris Chris Lene, um, tagged me on something previously uh, before it was a tweet and it was like sting is older now than gerald briscoe and pat Patterson were during their run as vince's stooges you know just to kind of call back to our pat Paterson, just to call back to our pat Patterson tribute but oh. you know like that is that is pretty uh pretty mental really when you when you think about it and in, in the in the in those terms and then you think oh well, well what what is his role going to be i definitely don't want them to see him be put with Darby Allen and that is the na- to me, that is like that almost feels like the natural obvious fit because of the the rafters and the face paint and the you know the dark side and all that all that shit kind of but i think he just He'd overshadow him, and Dabby doesn't need him. He's building his own. He's building himself up as a star in his own way. Like he, you know, he he doesn't need Sting stood in his corner holding a clipboard like Anderson, or you know, sat in the rafters with him, or whatever kind of thing. And and then I'm thinking, well, well, what other roles are there for him? I just, I just don't see. I just don't see where he where he fits, and 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 that's the that's the problem. You get that initial moment, but. What's he going to do from here? And, that, and that's where I'm a bit kind of lost because I, cause I, I, I don't see the the positive route of where this can go.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's hard to know. I mean, the things I was thinking about was um, him and Jericho, maybe. But then if you're going back to kind of the wrestling match, his last match was against Seth Rollins and he was seriously hurt afterwards, which was the sign. And he was someone who always kind of looked after himself, certainly in those later years of his career. I mean, he worked... He's probably worked more than Triple H like with all the matches he did in TNA over the last few years. But at the same time, when he retired, it felt like, yeah, this is someone who shouldn't be in the ring. He's at a point where he could get really hurt. And all it takes is to be minimally out of position at that point, having had the, the amount of bumps he would have had throughout his career. And he doesn't need to do it. But that's the issue with Sting is when you don't have him in that role, what else can he do? They don't need experienced veteran managers. They're doing absolutely fine for those. As a talker, he's, he's very good. and always been kind of underrated as a talker, frankly. But they're...
2: Not this character. No, like.
1: not this character. It doesn't work. So, And you, like you say, you think, oh, him and Darby Allen was the thing that it felt like it was doing more than anything else. I'd be happier if he was in there with Dustin Rhodes i but then I don't know why he would be in a feud with them because then even that idea of the feud in and of itself seems somewhat silly there's no obvious um there's no obvious figure um yep. that he can be actually teamed up with so yeah i I'm kind of with you it's like it was a great moment, then you hear, oh yeah, it was a multi year deal and you're thinking what like does he live in Florida no he like don't think you need to sign him to a deal. He seems to be doing all right. Mm-hmm. You know. What's he spending all his money on? The <laughs> fucking pandemic. But anyway, I digress. That's really none of my business. Um so yeah, they, uh, they sorry. I
2: was I was I was just gonna say like one of the first if- First things I thought though is where where you've got Cody there with his bleach blonde hair and you've got Darby with his bleached hair. I was like, come on, give us Surface Sting. Yes. I was like, we keep getting these we keep getting these Crow Sting comebacks. Sting will always be Surface Sting to me first in my mind before his yes. before his Crow Sting. I'll think of um, yeah, I'll, I'll think of him going up against Flair and you know like Lex Luger feuds and into like Vader and things with the with the bleach blonde hair. It's uh, that's what we need to see. We don't need to see uh, his. Is thinning, <laughs> trying to look long. <laughs> yeah, he looks greyer <laughs> here. Black hair, kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's uh,
1: As he should do. He's sixty-one. Exactly,
2: he's a sixty-year, he's 60 sixty-one-year-old man. It's uh, it's, um, but uh, yeah, just maybe once, once, just bleach the hair and get the neon tights on, just one more time.
1: Just what? Because if you're going to go retro, that's the kind of retro sting that we've not had. I mean, I don't think it would work very. It'd work as a pastiche, frankly, at this point in some sort of Cobra Kai style twist. Uh, of Sting, but um,
2: Surface Sting could do commentary. though yes. it wouldn't work with Crow Sting, but Surface Sting could be a really exciting, energetic kind of pro babyface, almost. You know, well, you know getting big, sucked big in character. by the heel
1: commentators as well. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, just been a big character on the mic and things. You know, we could that could potentially work, but yeah, God, um, but yeah, I don't, like I don't, you. know, I don't know where it's going, but I enjoyed it in the moment. I thought yeah. it was, uh, I thought it was spot on.
1: Yeah. And and really, they're the kind of two big takeaways from this show, as anything else. And that was basically the kind of last hour was taken up with these, which what I suppose are the kind of considered the two, I don't know if they're the two biggest feuds going on at the moment in the company, in terms of the Team Taz nightmare family stuff that seems to be kind of there. And then you, you had sort of Moxley and Omega. I mean, before then, I thought for the first hour, it, it was fine, but it was kind of very, here's the match, He he a very short, I thought quite bad interview with the acclaimed who seemed a bit nervous and reverting to kind of what seemed to be, I don't know, if there's two brothers less likely to commit incest than the young bucks, I'd be fascinated to know. So like when they're doing, oh, you're staring at his dick. It's like, what, what is like, like, what the fuck are you on about, mate? And it was just sort of felt really dumb and childish. And then it was sort of then he had Angelico run in, so you're like, oh Jesus Christ! So yeah, that was that was something I thought I could completely do without. I just thought that was a very odd segment, but I thought the matches were okay. The battle royal was they do battle royals quite well. They're quite mm-hmm. good at getting focus on everyone, and that's the aim of a battle royal. You don't watch them for work rate. Right? They always have a ceiling for me. Um, I don't know what you thought about. I mean the dynamite diamond ring isn't stuff that i necessarily care for it works better with mjf as just his thing and part of his gimmick anyway i don't think you need the battle royal there unless it just becomes the mjf battle royal where he kind of cheats his way to winning every time him against orange cassidy feels like giving orange cassidy something to do and it was there to kind of then further a bit of friction within a circle afterwards which has led to yet another Town Hall, non-wrestling segment. We're all in a circle, have to have a big debate, and everyone sings along to Judas at the start. (laughs) I don't know about you, it's wearing thin at this point. These segments appearing at least every two weeks. It's not to say that they're bad, but I've seen a lot of them. Yeah,
2: and it's clearly something that Jericho's got a big hand in, isn't it? Kind of thing as well. He's clearly... Is clearly enjoying the creative direction of this. It just feels like Jericho's stamp all over it. A lot of these, lot, lot of these scenes. I mean, you know, <laughs> again with this, it it is what it is, and I, I think the quick, like you know, I think the quicker that they can move through this particular storyline and move things on, the better because. I tell you what, the decline in Jericho in the ring in the last twelve months has been absolutely so monumental and so visible. Like, I mean, it's great that he can still hit his moves. He can still do a line salt. He can still do where he like he goes to the second rope and he does that, you know, kick to the outside and things like that. It's it's pretty incredible that he still can. But in between, and it's been like this on the last couple of pay per views as well. God, he's slow. He's painfully slow, and like he looks absolutely like gassed um, throughout the, you know, you know throughout throughout. He's just absolutely blown up all over the play, uh, all over the place, and he just he looks a shadow of what he looked like even twelve months ago, eighteen months ago. You know, where he was sort of having this career in and putting on you know very good brawl matches. Um, you know, that even looks like that's sort of started to to pass him by now because um, because oh God, I, I mean this match was what a 50 year old against a 43 year old and then you know I know, I know seven years, seven years, but the difference in athleticism yeah. and the, the difference in speed between Kazarian and and, and Jericho, and you think of a, you know, the, the miles that Kazarian's got on the clock as well, from the amount of matches he's worked over the years as well. The, the schedule that he's kept as as well is is is, is, is pretty phenomenal. But uh, but I, you know, God, I just I thought Jericho looked terrible here, and this 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 match just. Um, dragged. It didn't do much as in, in, in by, by way, by way of a match itself. Obviously, it sort of kicks things on a bit further at the end with the. You know, obviously the MGF going to throw the towel in, and Sammy getting left with the towel, and you know, dissension in a circle, and then it now again, like you say, leading up to this another talking segment next week, kind of thing. But you know, we'll 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 see we'll see where that goes. But I think that needs to I think that needs to pick up a bit of pace now and and and, and resolve how that's all going to split out. Um, like you, you know, with the battle royal, I did enjoy it, and you know, again, it was a lot of the things that we talked about. You know, obviously, when we were referring to Pat Patterson previously, really is having layers within the within a within a battle royal or within the Royal Rumble, and 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 having elements of story there because obviously you've got like the Hangman Dark Order stuff that's been going on of late. You know, just you know, the, an element of them interacting. Obviously, you had the Dark Order catching him, you know, from going out of the ring there. Those other interactions previously as. They want to get him on side, and clearly they're not going to, and things. But you know that was a that was a little thing there. As much as I'm not invested in Sean Spears, you know, you had that mm. the feud that's been going on with Scorpio Sky there, the loaded fist after he'd already been eliminated. A bit of that
1: on Dark. It's been all right.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, it's it, it's something there where there's there's at least. There's at least a reason for the bee to be interacting within the within the battle royal. It's a little story that's going you know that's going on that's carrying carrying through there. You've got like Matt Hardy who's clearly. You know, turning more down a heel route. You know, he eliminated John Silver to a big boo. He eliminated Hangman to a big boo and stuff. Again, just good little things like that that you can, you know, book. Okay, well, if we're trying to turn him heel, who who do we know the crowd's going to turn against him if he eliminates these two guys who are massively popular with the crowd? Get them out of there and you know, put it on Hardy, you know, as well. So that was that. That was good. You had that Miro Wardlow head to head, which again just had you thinking, oh god. You know, for for all the shit that we've been served up with Miro so far, them two could have a fucking corker of a uh, you know big lads match, couldn't they? You know, you could see them two absolutely laying fucking to each other further down the line, and I'm definitely uh, definitely on board with with that one. And then obviously, you know, right through to the end there, where you've got the you know there's that you know the bump obviously with with MJF and Wardlow, and then you know Miro coming back to the ring at the end, absolutely fuming and needing to be held back and things. So if you think about how many different dynamics I've referenced there, that must be six or seven different things that were going on in there within, what, a 10-minute battle royal, a 15-minute battle battle royal that, you know, has kept existing storylines going and sort of, again, laid the seeds for other ones to be, to begin and first steps. You know, great job. I mean, I've, as a match, i have give it 2.75 because it's a Sorry. battle royal and a battle royal's a battle royal, <laughs> so, you know, at the, at the end of the day. But what they, what they achieved – through their, you know, nuanced details here was was great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd com- yeah completely go along with that. I mean, it's it's it, it, it's one of the better battle royals, but it's in terms of the potential stuff in there as well. And I also think as well, like just a special shout out for Wardlow, who, you know, in terms of the big men that he's he's being in there, possibly put up against Miro and Jake Hager, I'm much more invested in Wardlow than both of them. Um, He just looks like someone where I looked at him and I thought, it's amazing that WWE didn't sign you. How did they not weren't aware of your existence or what what happened and all the better for it because the point where he does start to kind of branch out on his own, there's, you can just sense it's going to be, it's going to be a monster pop, but you don't want to see that stuff for a very long time. Yeah. And in some ways I'm quite glad it makes me think that the MJF stuff and the the eventual sort of turn with that isn't going to happen yet for a while because of the inner circle stuff. So for no other reason, I'm kind of grateful that MJF's in there because that that's a duo you don't want to split up. see split up for quite some time because yeah. out of it, you want to have what is effectively like your kind of mega baby face, mega heel out of that. There's a, there's a There should be quite a lot riding on that as well. Yeah, um,
2: I, I want this to be the the million dollar man, Virgil of the yes.
1: of the
2: of, of 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 this generation. In that, it's something that's drawn out over a longer period of time. But ultimately, hopefully, we get a better outcome with Wardlow than we do from Virgil when it comes to that, yeah. uh, that 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 face turn. My my big fear there is with, with Wardlow is how long he's signed up for and things like that. Because now that he's had this exposure and been on AWTV TV and you know, I could see him being the sort of guy. If, like, say, if he's a, on a two-year deal or something like that, the WWE just throwing a shitload of money at him just to try and, you know, get him to get him to jump. And I think this is one of the concerning in territory.
1: Have to be straight on the main roster stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, but you know, it's it's one of them though where you've got all these young talent who've been brought to the fore on AEW, and you know we're not seeing it now because we've got people in the, we're not seeing that sort of flippy flop between the two companies that we talked about previously with WWE and um, WCW during the Attitude era back then because can't Contracts haven't sort of seen their way around yet. You know, you're going to have people who are going to have been on two year deals at AW, three year deals at AW. You're going to have people who were signed up for a while when WWE started putting these long term contracts on people. So you're not going to see these sort of surprise jumps too often now. But WWE will try and hurt them. And the, the AW is going to put these guys on TV and they're going to build up these new stars. They're going to get all this TV time, especially where you've got big guys like Wardlow who they're obviously going to be, you know, buying into massively someone like a Will Hobbs and things. And, you know, WWE will turn around and just double the money that they're on at AEW or something like that or more just to try and, yeah. Not necessarily even have the positive of often on their roster, but just trying to hurt AW further down the line as well. So that's something that I'm, I'm a bit cautious of. In that, yeah, there's this long term long term storytelling, but yeah, let's let's make sure we've got all these guys um, signed up for a long period of time because it would be heartbreaking to see a really good storyline with see Wardlow brought through from an unknown to be this monster baby face that he he, he can potentially be, and then it just suddenly. Taken away and yeah, just become nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. He it. it, it, I can't. In some ways, you like to think the level of investment they've given him would be the thing that would amount to. And it's business. Money talks. Money talks. For it, and they'll (laughs) offer that big money. You know, you always want to think that that youth prospect to your club that's developed. It's like nah. Soon as those big, big age the, the big clubs are in, change of agent. Off he fucks, yeah. Quite quite often that's the case. Um, yeah. Anything else at this point when speaking about AW I mean, there was a, I I thought the women's match. I didn't think Britt Baker was particularly good, but I'm always glad to see Layla Hirsch on there. And again, you're thinking of young talent, so you kind of want to have around there for a long time. Someone who just looks and offers something entirely different to their women's division. And again, seems almost better suited to the impact women's division of all things. Like, I mean, her and a Jordan Grace would be yeah. a kind of good hard hitting encounter. Same thing with Deonna Perazzo as well. Definitely. But overall, as a show, I mean, we can't we can't rate the actual shows on the app. What do you make? What would you give it though? Because so I'd give it a solid four out of five for this.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's one of those. This is one of the things where, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling's about more than the matches, you know, it's about the characters and it's about the storylines and, and, and things and the way that they're developed and certainly from like a looking at a TV show, you know, looking at it as a TV show, the matches themselves don't kind of, you know, if you took an average or an aggregate of the, of the matches, they they, they don't make it a four out of five show but it's to me i'm the same as you it was a, it was it would be like a four four star out of five show for me you know you had those big memorable moments with sting you had the title change at the end obviously that, that big story there you had some you know you had some good good interviews and things that were delivered a, a, along the way and the the single most important thing for me was this show was just presented in a way that felt it made it feel really big really important and i was just i was really really just I mean at when when Moxley was making his entrance I was just thinking oh fucking bastard covid I was thinking imagine if this was now in an arena with 30,000 people they would have been absolutely losing their shit when Moxley was coming out for you know in anticipation of anticipation of that match and hopefully encouragingly that's something that we've you know potentially hopefully got you know further down the line like you know middle of next year hopefully with 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 things that are going on obviously in the world and vaccines and things like that but then also just in the way that you know aw weren't spunking their load on this one match kind of thing there's more to there's more to come they've made these two look like absolute stars they're building other people to look like stars and there's there's some there's definitely some big moments to come um in the future
1: yeah it all makes for good television and it all makes for television you want to come back and see again um i think at that point we may well have for grapple standards beaten a previous record <laughs> this is about an hour and a half mate
2: well, we were, aiming, we were aiming for that, weren't we? We, we said were
1: aiming for that. Well, we're men of a certain <laughs> age. So for us, we can appreciate that extra half an hour, an hour in bed as well. So that that means a hell of a lot for us. And, and you've got a big day of work tomorrow. But it is Friday, thank Christ, uh, nice. that we'll get through on it. So, yeah, is there anything else we need to discuss? Or have you got anything that you'd like to plug at this point? What, what are your plugs for the week? It's
2: just the, the same as usual, really. It's just, you know download the app get, get get using the app Google Play App Store you know probably worth referencing obviously Benno will be back next week that will be yes. probably going for three hours next week as we'll uh, dig out Do we
1: record on stuff. Wednesday? Do we record on Thursday again? Do we have to cover Impact and uh, and AW? How does this change?
2: I tell you what there's a big argument for recording after that Impact show um, Yeah um, but
1: But after the Dynamite show Yeah
2: uh, well, again, you know, yeah. maybe maybe we've just thrown. Maybe we can do this now to, to the end of the year. Now that we've sort of thrown the uh, thrown the calendar out of culture a little bit, we're getting near to Christmas, aren't we? We can kind of, you know, maybe maybe let's fit our shows around the uh, exciting stuff that's uh, going on out there and giving us something to talk about rather than rather than doing it. On, uh, Feeling like it has to be a Monday night or some, something like that, because I'm I'm sure towards the end of the year as well we'll be having a few special shows coming up as well with uh, different uh, different bits yeah. and bobs we've got match of the years and other things that we need to be uh, covering off.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I like your thinking, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter, which I do. That you send out to me the Grapple newsletter. <laughs> which subscribe to the mailing list as well at GrappleApp.com. That was a great <laughs> great little pod to throw into there. Um, i know beno uh that he's obviously he's had he's in ring of honor mode very much ring of honor mode at the moment um i think there is a third one because he's done two ring of honor podcasts recently they're both excellent with um uh Braden and davy on on up next patreon oh and that then... was
2: a, that that was a great show that that yeah. I, that just had me like that was'cause because that i'm not a big um that era of Ring of Honor is just mm. it passed me by. I, I wasn't watching at at all and all but I was just listening to that just thinking like fucking hell I need to get my finger out of here and just go and watch that whole Samoa Joe run because uh, that was that, that just sounded absolutely epic so yeah de- definitely uh, get yourselves uh, get yourselves on the up next patreon there and uh, catch it with Benno on, on that show.:
1: Oh definitely and also the, um, the show with Andy Thompson and Martin Bushby on post. Um, Bushby and Thompson's um, amazing—is it amazing adventure? I think it is, isn't it? I could be wrong. Which but excellent adventure, um, but yes, they had uh, they on there with Righteous Reg and Benno as well, and they were talking about Manhattan Mayhem, which I actually started to go back and watch. And you mentioned this; I find myself when there wasn't much to watch this weekend, wrestling-wise, I found myself watching best of Daniel Bryan in Ring of Honor type stuff, which I was enjoying i have to say so i might find myself doing that for a bit um plug wise for me uh there will be there will be i know i've built it up now for too long the first of a few uh tna impact round tables i think the timing is fucking perfect to start these up again <laughs> how this company never dies i'm always incredulous how they work their way on to to network television i'm incredulous they're like the real spiritual successor to WCW in some ways. Um, yeah. They really are. It's it, it's incredible. But yes, uh, that hopefully coming out. Otherwise, uh, follow Gareth on Twitter at is it Grapple Gareth, isn't it?
2: Yeah, just follow at Grappleup. That's at where you Grapple get all app. the information. Don't, don't don't follow me and my bollocks.
1: All right. <laughs> That's not what your wife did. Hey there, we go. <laughs> hey there, here all week. Try the veal. Uh, follow Benno at Benson Richard E and follow me at JPGP 3Es and we'll see you next week sometime, haven't got a clue fuck it, just refresh your podcast feeds and you'll find out Ben see ya bye (laughs) and relax